0: Welcome to Journalism History, a podcast that rips out the pages of your history books to re examine the stories you thought you knew and the ones you were never told. I'm your host, Nick Hershon, guiding you through our own drafts of history. This episode is sponsored by Baruch College's Weissman School of Arts and Sciences. Located in the heart of New York City, Baruch's Weissman School of Arts and Sciences offers the atmosphere of a small liberal arts college and the resources of a major public university, providing personalized, supportive attention to its 2,600 undergraduates and more than 350 graduate students. Newsboys are ingrained in the fabric of America. Decades before he signed the Declaration of Independence, Benjamin Franklin delivered the New England current. Long before he brought light to the world, Thomas Edison brought newspapers to the masses. And before he became a symbol of American masculinity, John Wayne sold papers to the public. Not every newsboy rose to fame, of course, but generations of children, boys and girls, have announced the defining events of our nation's history, from economic depressions to world wars. The screams of Extra, Extra, Read All About It have inspired authors and songwriters and filmmakers for decades. Perhaps no depiction is more famous. Than the 1992 movie Newsies, which shows boys becoming men by striking against powerful publishers. The newsboys sing, The roar will rise from the streets below, and our ranks will grow and grow and grow, and so the world will feel the fire and finally know. And now the world finally knows the story of America's newsboys, thanks to today's guest. On this episode, we learn about the lives of the newsboys and their role in American society, from Vince DiGarolamo, a history professor at the Baruch College of the City University of New York, and the author of the new book, Crying the News, A History of America's Newsboys. Vince, welcome to the Journalism History Podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, we're very glad to have you here. I'm excited to talk to you about newsboys in American culture, a subject we don't hear too much about. So. Let's start with the emergence of newspapers and newsboys in America. The numbers of newspapers in America reached 235 in 1800. You write how that grew to 350 by 1810, 512 by 1820. And then there was a milestone moment in journalism history in 1833. The New York Sun started selling copies for just a penny each, an unheard of some at the time. And the Sun's publisher, Benjamin Day, began hiring people to peddle the papers in the street. Reputable publishers weren't supposed to resort to street sales. They were expected to build a base of subscribers. But the sun changed that model. So you mentioned in the book, the first generation of newsboys from 1833 to 1865 witnessed and hastened major shifts in the way that Americans came to know each other, earn their living and govern their affairs. So how do those early newsboys reflect or maybe even influence the evolution of early America?
1: Well, they were products of the major changes that were going on in the uh, early republic in this age of uh, of a transportation revolution, a market revolution. So the fact that uh, there was the mass production of newspapers, uh, as well as uh, 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 greater opportunities for uh, transportation and communication. via turnpikes and railroads uh, uh and new markets for not just newspapers but for crops and 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 manufactured goods and so newspaper, uh newsboys were right in the middle of these major changes and um and so they were Promoting them in the sense that they were promoting the newspapers and promoting advertisements and and uh, communication. Uh, this was also the age of uh, Jacksonian democracy, where where the ideas, uh, uh, you know, newspapers became affordable. Ordinary people could afford to uh, uh, to purchase their own newspaper and uh, and ordinary non. Uh, landholding uh worker workers could could uh engage in politics in a way they hadn't uh before so newsboys were part of uh were part of these major uh uh shifts and um and and instrumental in 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 uh, perpetuating them
0: and you mentioned in the book how there's a prevailing image of newsboys as young able-bodied white but that's not true of many of them Actually, by the 1850s, the newsboys were transforming from impish urban types, as you put it in your book, into an alarming social problem. The 1850s were, of course, a dismal decade, two economic recessions, the heaviest influx of impoverished immigrants in the nation's history. And many immigrant children became vagrants, as you point out. They went hungry, came down with diseases such as cholera, typhus, consumption. Some of them became newsboys just to get by. And the voices of most newsboys went unheard kind of sadly, but one of them, a newsboy named Johnny Morrow, wrote a memoir published in 1860 when he was still in his teens. The book was named A Voice from the Newsboys, and it gives a glimpse into the extreme poverty that newsboys experience and their strategies for survival. What can you tell us about Johnny Morrow and the lives of newsboys around this time in the 1850s?
1: Okay, um, so really in my book, um, from the 1830s, 40s, and 50s, those are three separate chapters. So a lot of things are changing by by then. Um, one thing that's interesting about this particular occupational group is that the the uh, image and the myth of, uh, of the newsboy in some ways preceded the actual um, occupation, uh, in the sense that uh, you know Ben Franklin, the, the the stories about Ben Franklin delivering his brother's newspaper, um, and uh, and then his role in the revolution, and so so news. Uh, carriers and post writers, these were seen as sort of revolutionary uh, uh, patriotic figures. And there were just a handful of them. There, you know, there weren't that many newspapers in the colonial period and the revolutionary period. Um, but when, it, by 1833, when, 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 uh, there's lots of immigration. There's there's more newspapers, and and urban life is 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 blooming. Um, uh, these kids are just all over the streets, and so in some ways they become linked with. Oh, they're doing good work. They're they're in in the tradition of Ben Franklin, and uh, and then in these in the 1840s. Uh, they become symbols of young America itself, you know, they're, you know, this is a country and it's strapping youth and it's about to take off and, and beat the world in all kinds of ways. Uh, and so these kids become uh, uh stereotype they become promoted by the newspapers that, that 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 they are distributing as these as these prototypical Americans uh, doing good work, uh, and so that's uh, that uh, image is perpetuated not just by newspapers but by uh, novelists and and also by genre painters, and we see lots of images of these positive images of these street kids. Uh, the 1850s we have uh, really two economic downturns and poverty. Poverty uh, is really uh, uh, racking the nation, uh, and uh, and so then we have these uh, you know selling papers is a way of uh, surviving hand to mouth by a lot of uh, people, a lot of immigrants in particular. Uh, Johnny Morrow comes originally from Ireland uh, via England, and he uh, he is one of many children. His father has uh, is sporadically employed, and. Um, And he becomes, in some ways, one of the kind of the poster boy of the Children's Aid Society, which which really does save him, gives him a place to uh, to sleep with the uh, the the newsboy lodging house that that the uh, Charles Loring Brace established in 1854. Um, And um, and so, as he's writing his autobiography, which in some ways is indebted uh, and and in, in, in shares a lot of similarities with the slave narratives of that same period, here's a here's a, a group that people don't even think has the intelligence or the ability uh, uh, to uh, to write their own story or to understand what's going on. And and and, and Johnny Morrow is speaking back to uh, uh, to the public and, and and sort of asserting his humanity and his intelligence. Um, and so. Uh, uh, so in some ways, uh, uh, street trading in the, in the hard times of the 1850s becomes kind of a, a solution to poverty, uh, that Charles Lloyd embraces, giving them credit and giving them, uh, newspapers, uh, uh tokens to buy their papers and, and shoe shine kits to, to, to earn a living on the streets. Uh, and so Johnny Morrow really kind of, uh, documents that, you know, in some of the, sentimental uh, ways that uh, the genre does does uh, uh illustrate but but uh so it's it, it has to be t- read with a grain of salt he does have help with a, a a local clergyman but uh but it is a rare uh at that time a rare uh first person uh, uh voice of the newsboy
0: uh, well then after the civil war ended in 1865 newsboys became in your words quote, bastard children of a failing economy and a flourishing press, end quote. The postwar years saw an escalating class war, inflation, rampant crime and corruption, disparities of wealth and poverty. And in the eighteen seventies you write that newsboys rose up to expose and challenge the social inequities of their time. How did they do this?
1: I was just thinking bastard children of a failing economy that's a good sentence, I man who wrote that? <laughs> I like that. Good writer <laughs> uh, so so yeah so i I take them through the Civil war before that and show how they uh were part of the of the uh uh of that particular political crisis north and south serving the front lines as well as the uh the home front um and then the and then the uh that, that sectional crisis between North and South uh, shifts and it, bec- and and post-Civil War, it's the class struggle, the class crisis between the haves and has nots, the, the, uh, the plutocrats and the working people. And so newsboys are caught up in that struggle and they are, they are interestingly, you know, squarely of the working class, poor um, parents are, are, um, uh, laborers manual laborers usually and um and so uh they're selling papers yet yet the yet the uh, the capitalist class is saying look at they're just like us they're young entrepreneurs they are they are they are symbols of 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 not the uh, uh, uh excesses of capitalism but the promise of capitalism so both both parties are um are trying to uh acclaim newsboys as as uh sort of uh, emblematic of 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 uh, uh the changes that need to be made the injustices that that have to be corrected or the promise of of capitalism interestingly uh um horatio alger's novels are uh popular during this period and he shows them in this in this bootstrap sort of uh, uh way in that they are they are lifting themselves up from poverty with with great character um and that is one of the uh, ideologies that that prevails. Yet the newsboys themselves are radicalized, and they become. Uh, Socialists, they become a trade unionists. They um, are criticizing the capitalist system as much as uh, uh, as as anyone else because they are caught up in with these great strikes and the the eighteen seventy seven uh, uh, national strike and the the economic downturn throughout the eighteen seventies, even in the eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties. A kid couldn't be born any time during this. Uh, this uh, second half of the 19th century, without escaping a serious uh, uh, a depression or, or or recession, and so uh, newsboys are feeling these uh, privations, and and they are not just sort of working harder and and uh, uh, trying to work. Uh, uh to be successful individually but they're engaging in all kinds of collective actions uh as they see around them so that's why i say they're sort of they they expose the uh uh the the rifts in society and they're and they're helping to uh address them
0: and if we could fast forward here to the 1890s you call this an extraordinary time for america's newsboys 657 new daily newspapers emerged across the country for a total of more than 2,100. We've been using the term newsboys so far in our conversation. That is indeed the term in the title of your book. But you mentioned in this part of your book that there were actually girls and women who were forced to peddle papers, often after dark, blurring the line between business people and beggars. And you have a quote from a New York police captain at the time who said, quote, girls who begin with selling newspapers usually end with selling themselves. What can you tell us about these news girls as they were?
1: News girls. Well, uh, I mentioned one here, one there in the 1850s, uh, uh, a couple in the 1870s, but but here in the 1890s they become much more prevalent and they become a social problem, in the sense that uh, uh, various reformers, uh, the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children in particular, uh, focuses on on them. Uh, see one of the one of the uh, Interesting things about newsboys is that you know people didn't really look at them as exploited labor; they were just part of the urban furniture they were part of the uh uh the the bla the blabber of the pave and 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 uh so they were just taken for granted and not everybody thought that they should be put in school and 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 swept off the streets. but when girls started to uh, appear. Uh, then people started to worry about their sexual vulnerability and um, and here we have uh, italian uh, german jewish girls as as uh, primarily uh, in the the northeast but also in in uh, uh, salt lake city utah and and throughout the country and um, and so they become um, uh, uh, a much more concern and the reformers those few who have been trying to uh call attention to the exploitation of newsboys they're able to you know they're able to get people's attention when they focus on girls um and this is the uh uh, uh true of uh, jane adams and and hull house and 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 uh, uh florence kelly and they're they're able to uh uh to make girls on the street into a into a, uh, a a social problem and pass laws the age laws and girls have to be 18 to sell on the streets in some cities uh and and so these are efforts to uh uh to define their labor not as labor but as but as uh uh you know, kind of a a preparation for a life of, uh, of sin and crime.
0: And getting now to one of the depictions of Newsboys that probably our listeners are most familiar with, at the end of the 1890s, there's a famous tussle between the Newsboys and two titans of New York journalism, Joseph Pulitzer of The Evening World and William Randolph Hearst of The Evening Journal. I was interested to learn in your book that the tensions began on a July day in 1899 in my hometown, Queens in New York City when a group of boys tipped over the wagon of an evening journal deliveryman and carried off armloads of papers. A lot of our listeners may be familiar with this period from the 1992 Disney movie Newsies. You mentioned that in your book. It was later adapted into a Broadway musical. Can you take us through this newsboy strike and maybe some of the myths or some of the things that you were surprised to learn about?
1: Yes. um, One of the I guess primary myths about the strike is that it was this this one-off event, that 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 children in this period for some reason decided to uh, to make a stand against the uh, uh, the pinching uh, ways of the, uh, the, the the millionaire publishers Hearst and 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 Pulitzer in particular. Uh, where, as I said, I find these newsboys are engaging in strikes and boycotts in the 1840s in New York, uh, throughout the the West in uh, Goldfield, Nevada, uh, uh, throughout the 1880s and 90s. Also part of this, uh, the Haymarket strike and the, and the, and the, uh, uh, these major strikes. They are also. Uh, forming unions, sometimes affiliating with the uh, with the Knights of Labor. There was something called the Junior Knights of Labor that they were a part of. Uh, they also got uh, uh, affiliations with the American Federation of Labor in some cities. Uh, in the West, the industrial workers of the world uh, had Newsboy locals. And so the tradition of Newsboy militancy and Newsboy uh, labor organization really precedes uh that 1899 strike but it was a big strike it lasted two weeks it was against these major uh, major publishers and the other newspapers loved it they they would would run stories and illustrations uh for the entire about two weeks that it lasted and so it and so other papers across the country uh would run would run uh, those stories as well and and kids in those in in other parts of the country would also say yeah we got it bad too and they would they would join join in so david nassau who really first discovered this strike and 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 wrote about it he talks about it as sort of almost coming to uh uh e the equal of a of a children's general strike which is a little exaggerated but um but it was a uh uh not a a, a major event i think it but but it was a uh you know it was a uh uh, a good human interest story, and it had a Davy and Goliath quality, and um, so so yes, it's what lots of people know about the uh, Newsboys. And Newsboys were most prevalent. I mean, John Reed, the the journalist, he said the streets boiled over with children uh, when he was writing during this period, talking particularly about New York. Uh, and so there are there are uh, huge numbers of children, and there's streetcar strikes, and so they're 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 sort of uh, Get militant. They learn that they learn their tactics in some ways by watching the streetcar drivers and conductors who are on strike. And this becomes uh, this becomes a, the, a a big story for for those two weeks. Uh, and it involves it involves uh, um, you know the the other thing what, what the book really shows is that although uh, girls African Americans are not part of this sort of newsboy myth of upward mobility, that they're part of these work Uh, occupation They're part of the trade, particularly African Americans who uh, sometimes find it hard to enter other trades where you have to get sort of uh, formally hired. This you can buy, you can buy papers and just work on your own, on your own hook. And so they they get driven off the streets in some, some places and sometimes, but they're also coexisting and making common cause in various uh, strikes uh, throughout the 19th century. And here in 1899, too. Uh, there's lots of, uh, African Americans, uh, not, no girls are joining the, the women, the news women they're there, uh, tend to be opposed to the boys because the, the women want to see these boys go to school so they could have the entire business to themselves. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, violence. There's a lot of violence. I mean, the, the news, the newsy movie and the play, which I saw recently again, um, uh, uh in uh, in Carmel California um you know it sort of uh, romanticizes the the story the, the 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 story but but there were you know people you know one one guy had a gun put down his throat and threatened you know you better leave you better leave this corner so there was, there was real uh you know real violence in trying to enforce this strike and not let Hearst uh and Pulitzer hire adults and hire people to work as scabs uh so yeah so i try to bring a couple of uh uh uh, new uh sort of points about the strike in terms of its scale its scope its participation and and in particular its ending that people people uh how did it end you know was it a victory or was it not and so i i I bring some new uh uh, evidence
0: to bear on those questions certainly and I know Disney Plus has just come out. It has Newsies. I was able to watch it right after going through your book. Of course, as you mentioned, it's probably not the most accurate. It is a dramatized version of events. However, it does help us understand how Newsies have gone down in the public consciousness. And then that's a great jumping off point for historians like you to come in, correct the record, and give us all that information. So moving on now to another crucial decade in the history of Newsboys, the Roaring 20s. Newspaper circulation soared to an all-time high of 43 million. The Treasury Secretary of the United States called the newsboy, quote, America's leading citizen of tomorrow. And they personified the era in many ways. For example, newsboys in Chicago spread jazz records along with newspapers in a time that would come to be known as the Jazz Age. What stands out to you about this juncture in newsboy history, the Roaring Twenties? The Roaring
1: Twenties. Well, um, you know, this is the the period of uh, another period of great sensationalism, as the Yellow Press period of the eighteen nineties that we just talked about, um, and uh, and so we have tabloid journalism. We have a we have also what's called muscle journalism, in that these newspapers are quite ruthless in competing with each other and driving each other off the streets. And so there are newspaper wars in Chicago and other cities where. Uh, um, gangsters are hired and these, some of these are household names, uh, uh, Al Capone, for example, uh, they're, they're hired to, uh, to, uh, support their newspapers, say the, the, the Chicago Tribune against, uh, against other newspapers and to, to actually to, to literally raid the, the stands and then beat up the, uh, the, the uh, uh, the, the vendors and children get implicated in, in this kind of uh, uh, struggle as well. So the twenties is really marked by uh, a lot of uh, violence. It's also marked, we see earlier in this progressive era, uh, we sort of skipped talking about the the early 1900s where, where reformers came in, but in order to combat then uh, that kind of uh, uh, regulation and, and laws, um, uh, newspaper, uh, Editors and circulation managers became much more involved in what they called newsboy welfare work, and so they were establishing all kinds of uh, um, uh, outings and excursions and 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 banquets and uh, and uh, little uh, sporting events. And here in the 1920s, we have a little sporting event, a little newsboys boxing. It it blossoms into the Golden Gloves boxing tournament. Uh, there was a Newsboy League baseball in the in the 1880s. Teams are barnstorming the country of teams of newsboys playing baseball with each other. And so the 1920s is also an age of, of sports and the age of celebrity. It's the age of which the Republicans have the uh, control of the White House and capitalism is deemed uh, uh, you know everybody's best system um and and radicals are, are are jailed and they have a hard time and so newsboys become uh, again prototypical uh symbols of of uh of uh, uh corporate capitalism during during this time um uh, strikes are 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 few and far between but there are there are examples uh, it was also seen as the road to the White House. We had uh, uh, various uh, uh, presidents; even uh, Herbert Hoover was uh, a former newsboy. So the, the the press is celebrating these kinds of uh, these kinds of uh, of connections, um, and also the African American press is also rising. The Chicago Defender. Uh, enters uh, be, becomes uh, uh, a very prominent newspaper, and their newsboy band is also uh, is is also uh, um, quite uh, famous. Lots of ma- famous jazz musicians come out of that. So the the 1920s is is uh, 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 a a great uh, lively period of violence and um,
0: and uh, celebrity. The era of the newsboy has all but come to a close today. You write that beginning in 1980, the number of carriers under 18 declined at a rate of 10,000 per year. There were a few reasons for this decrease. Lots of newsboys were replaced by retirees who needed to supplement fixed incomes and adult immigrants who saw the news trade as a way up, just like those original newsboys kind of did. Some news outlets did not want to risk being fined for using underage boys and, of course, expanded public access to the Internet. Severely diminished demand for newspapers, as we well know. What do you think has been lost when newsboys leave the streets?
1: Well, what's been lost? Um, I don't know. I guess the sound of the city is different without newsboys uh, shouting shouting their news. People are now looking at their phones, and 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 their eyebrows go up or something. But it's a a different sort of oral uh quality of of life i suppose we've lost also you know generations of kids who didn't finish school and 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 uh, we're more independent um and for better or for worse usually for, uh, usually for worse i i think uh um uh, you know, I was uh, talking about the uh, the skills that that children learn on the streets at one 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 talk, and you know, and, and there they have to become savvy about different dangers, whether they're sexual predators or 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 cheats or what have you, and and. Um, and that they they learn they learn about power they learn about the, uh, their their role in society they have a really close in, uh, connection to the breaking events uh, and so that's that's changed as well. But one person said, "Well, do you want your child doing this?" You want your child working on the streets at midnight, approaching strangers for this uh, for this uh, uh, business transaction, and and the answer is no. Most of us don't want our our children on the streets doing this. Uh, so in that sense, we can't become too romantic and say, oh, we've lost we've lost this traditional. Um, Occupation that is that 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 really built character and built the greatest generation. My last chapter is really on the 1930s, the last full chapter, um, and that's when uh, you know adults come into the trade. But this generation did go through the uh, 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 if my my father's my uncle's generation did support their families through. Uh, working on the streets and um, and so that kind of economic responsibility that children have uh, early and cre- it does create a, a certain independence and a certain uh, uh, self sufficiency. So um, so that's lost. Um, but as all those uh, all those factors that you mentioned, the changing nature of the industry, changing attitudes about children uh, uh, and uh, where they should be, changing changing. Uh, uh, labor markets, right. We have fast food was a, was a way in which that becomes the sort of typical, uh, job for, a for, uh, a, a teenager growing up. Um, and uh, you know the, the the sort of rash of kidnappings in the 1980s uh, and the uh, the decline of the newspaper industry, yeah, means that that this occupation it's 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 decline it's certainly declining in terms of the role of, of children. But you know I've uh, I've uh, been in some of these news depots in the uh, middle of the night and and people still get their papers delivered and it's still um, by poor generally people poor people, mainly immigrants. A lot of languages are spoken uh, in these in these news depots, and uh, and they're still somewhat exploited in the sense they're not wage earners; they're they're independent contractors. This is how uh, many newsboys escaped uh, uh, regulation, and, and the and the newspaper industry benefited from this cheap labor source for years, uh, because they were exempt from uh, New Deal labor laws and many other labor laws as well, because they are not technically employed employees and the the people who deliver the adults who deliver papers today are in the same sort of uh, uh sort of gig worker economy where they're uh there exists sort of on the margins of the
0: uh of the uh, uh
1: comfort really
0: and obviously we had limited time here but uh, your book is so comprehensive I encourage our listeners to check it out. Again, the title is Crying the News, A History of America's Newsboys, published by the Oxford University Press. I was going to teach you and say, the only problem I had with the book, it was so heavy, my hands would get a little tired when I was holding it, which is obviously just a testament to all of the incredible work that you've done, um, that you've been able to put together this amazing volume that is so tightly written, and we thank you for that contribution. Uh, One last question that we have for you, before we let our guests leave on this podcast, we always ask, why do you think journalism history matters?
1: Why journalism history matters? Well, it matters for a lot of reasons. One is that we just cannot accept um, the 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 news and the stories and the information that we get as sort of unfiltered. We have to see where it came from. We have to see it's a product of institutions. It's a product of economic s- systems. It's a product of government and laws. And so journalism and, and uh, newspapers and the media, uh, broadly defined, is a, a reflection, a cultural reflection of, of society at large. And it sheds light on not just the movers and shakers of the of the of the country but but on the little people on the children on the workers on the consumers on uh immigration on all of these social factors so i think to overlook journalism history is to is to just uh uh take your sources for granted in a way uh that no historian should do so in some ways all historians should be journalism historians to the degree that they rely on
0: press accounts Certainly. Well, well said. And thank you so much again for writing this terrific book that we can benefit from. And thank you, Vince, for joining us on the Journalism History Podcast. Okay. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Journalism History Podcast. And additional thanks to our sponsor, the Weissman School of Arts and Sciences at Baruch College of the City University of New York. Until next time, I'm your host, Nick Hershon. Signing off with the words of Edward R. Murrow, good night and good luck.